Hello everyone, welcome to Reset, a new thought leadership series organized by Art and Market in partnership with Singapore Art Week 2021. My name is Siwa and I am Content Manager at Art and Market. Over six panel discussions taking place in December and January, we will explore individual and collective efforts on current key issues and solutions in the local, regional and international art scenes. Featuring the voices of innovators, this get-together is an opportunity to share knowledge about ways to move synergistically into 2021. Today's talk is titled IRL or WWW, Between Physical and Virtual Spaces. How can an exhibition comfortably inhabit both virtual and physical spaces? What are the subtle differences that both the curator and artist have to pay attention to as they work to ensure prime engagement on not one, but two platforms? We get first-hand accounts from Singapore Art Week 2021 project organizers and see if there are best practices that can be instructive for future endeavors. Before we begin, I would like to thank everyone for spending the next hour with us. If you have a question to ask a panelist, you can type it out anytime in the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen, and we will get to them at the end during the question and answer segment. I am now pleased to introduce our panelists. We have Kirti Upadhyay, Assistant Curator, O Open House. We have Tulika Ahuja, Curator and Founder, Mama Magnet. We have Nature Shankar, Co-Founder, Our Softest Hour. And last but not least, we have Teoria Han, um, Artist and Co-Founder, Intermission. The panel will be moderated by Celine Yap, Assistant Curator, Singapore Art Museum. Celine, over to you. Thank you so much, Siwa. Thank you for the introductions to everyone. Um, hi, Kirti, uh, Tulika, Nature, and Yuehan, and hi to everyone who has um, signed in online today to, to listen to this uh, conversation. It's wonderful to have everyone on the panel. Uh, and I also do look forward to a productive discussion about your different respective practices as well. So I'd like to um, start off the session by inviting all of you to take turns to speak about your projects, which will be on view during the Singapore Art Week 2021. And uh, in the interest of time, perhaps we can get you to keep your sharing quite concise so um, so that we have more time for discussion after this as well. So um, shall we start with Kirti? So Kirti um, is a curator at uh, o Open House and um, Kirti, I understand that o Open House's um, signature art tours will return for Art Week in the form of the debate uh, for the house against the house, which we see on screen right now. And um, this debate takes place both um, in physical and digital formats as well. So maybe you can take us, uh, tell us more of about, about that and also perhaps share uh, how O's programming has taken on other forms during the pandemic as well because I do understand that this is not the first project that has happened um, you know since the pandemic started. Thank you. Hi everyone. Um, maybe I can start with For the House Against the House then because um, so For the House Against the House like you said is sort of our saw project and it will be online and offline and I just want to mention that we've been collaborating with many different parties to bring it to life. So um, I'm also sharing on their behalf. Um, the experiences online and offline are slightly different, but they're both um, anchored by this fundamental idea that as part of the program, we're pairing a local curator with a local collector. And the curator has taken inspiration from the collector and their collection to present a particular motion that kind of um, speaks to our current kind of art scene or the way we understand it. So the online, uh, the offline event, sorry, is sort of anchored around this motion and takes the form of a debate, like you mentioned. So the collectors will be presenting some of the works or exhibiting some of the works that tie to this motion. And the curators have actually commissioned new works by various artists, local and international, that will respond to this motion. So the audiences, when they attend the event, will actually get to view the works, hear the stories, and sort of figure out their own stance in response to this motion and actually have a chance to debate it out. So if you have the most convincing argument, there's actually a possibility of you kind of winning something at the end of the experience. Whereas the online component of it isn't exactly a debate, but instead it's sort of a text-based role-playing game that will be devised by the curators. Um, it will also be around the same motion. So I guess both experiences in that way kind of complement each other. But 
this is quite different to sort of our online other online program that's going on that's like fully online only and it's called days and counting so like you mentioned it was something that we've been working on last year and it will carry on this year because we have broken broken it up into different seasons the idea is that each season sort of explores a particular moment during the pandemic and everything that we've been going through. So the first season was very much tied to the circuit breaker. The second season is sort of tied to this in-between lull period that we find ourselves in where things change, but not too dramatically. And sort of these stories will unfold online. I think maybe perhaps more than the Saw project, this is the one where we take our signature artwork online. But both of them have an interesting element of how do you guide audiences in a situation that's sort of limited by the pandemic rules, right? But with Days and Counting, we're, we're trying to think of different ways of guiding the audience and introducing them to stories. So the second season, which is coming out in Feb, will actually also be a game, but this one will be point and click. And you play as a character that's encountering artworks online. And depending on the choices you make as this character, you get like different nuggets of information or certain stories that will help you make sense of the artwork, hopefully in a fun and engaging way, because the only way we can reach out to you right now to a vast majority of audiences is online. So that's kind of the two things that we've been working on. Thanks, Kirti. Um, next, we have Tulika, the curator for Inner Like That. I would pronounce this as outer. So like the ter is the AR, it's spelled AR. Uh, it's just an audiovisual art installation that utilizes augmented reality, which will, I believe, happen in Gillen Barracks during the Art Week, am I right? So can we have Tulika share more about the project? Yeah, thanks, Celine. Yeah, it's, it's outer, uh, a little tongue-in-cheek way of just plonking it, the fact that it's an AR show in there. Um, the visual that you're seeing on screen is by Reza Hasni. Uh, he's an illustrator and a motion graphics artist, and he's actually collaborated with um, multidisciplinary co collaborators for this time. So we have set design by Tina Fung. We've got um, sound design by Intriguent. He's a local producer, electronic producer. And then we have Screensavers, um, who is an interaction design studio, who's doing the AR portion of it. Um, like Kirti, it is, it is influenced by the pandemic in some ways because it's themed on nature and it's kind of a response to how all of us have been spending a little bit more time outdoors, um, spending more time uh, in parks, going for more walks and just, you know, reconnecting a little bit. Um, but the difference is that it is a little, it's, it's an exhibition that's a little bit more aware of itself in the sense that it poses the question, why do we need AR to look at our physical reality. Like, why do we need to augment our reality? Um, and it, it's really all about how we view nature as our great reset, but it, by, by creating these various interactions, it kind of makes you question, how are we looking at nature? Like, um, if nature is all around us, why do we only look at it for life? If it's a giver, then um, should, why do we treat it like a commodity? Um, and there's a bunch of public programs as well presented as part of the exhibition, which are artist-led tours that are all themed on the collaborations because each interaction is, is interdisciplinary. So we've got, for example, Tina Fung and Reza Hasni leading a tour on the 29th of January. Um, and it's all about how digital illustrations can be brought to life using life-sized installations and set design. Um, they have collaborated before, so um, this, this, this exhibition has like a new element of AR. Um, and I'd just like to say that um, Reza, Sia, and myself collaborated during the Circuit Breaker to present an online exhibition. And it was all about how in isolation we, we were all dealing with the complexities of no physical contact um, and it was a virtual world that we built for people to travel so this one in a sense um, is the first time in a year that we're coming back to a physical space and it's really about how we can gather safely um, in a socially distant way but also pay attention to reconnecting in in harmony and with our natural world yeah <laughs> Thank you, Tulika. Uh, moving on, we have Nature, who is a member of our Softest Hour, a collective who will be presenting a group exhibition titled Shifting Between. Nature, maybe you can share more with us. Thanks, Celine. So, um, much like uh, Kirti and Tulika, 
data and how the projects kind of um, are interlaced with what we're experiencing so far with the pandemic. Um, our softest hour was also um, founded last year when we were like right in the middle of being isolated. And uh, we just realized that a lot of people were getting quite emotionally affected by distance. So our softest hour was founded with, um, one of the goals was to bring audiences and the artists closer together. So on the right of your screen, you can see that um, we had a first show called Encounters, and this was purely digital. Um, we approached nine artists to make use of the fact that this show is online and on the World Wide Web as a medium. So we noticed a lot of artists doing either AR games or interactive um, uh, shows that needed like people to email them and submit stuff. Um, and we realized that with technology being more seamlessly integrated into our lives, uh, we started to ask how it affects how we view and engage and even tell our narratives, be it personal narratives or communal narratives. So with this show Shifting Between um, for Singapore Art Week, we are literally inviting people to shift between digital and physical spaces. So there is a physical exhibition and a digital exhibition, but it's all one exhibition. So each artist has, uh, will be making two works, one that uh, lives on, on the web and one that is in real life. And we just want audiences to kind of um, step into the space and really kind of um, notice how we are absorbing art in this point in time. Yeah. Thank you, Nature. And finally, we have uh, Yue Han from Intermission, an art collective that's dedicated to discourses of technology in art and media practices. Um, and Intermission will be, will be presenting Deep Field Cinema at the Aliwa Art Centre during the art week. Okay, hi everyone. So, um, for, for Saw, Intermission will be presenting Deep Field Cinema, uh, co-curated with uh, Interdisciplinary Art Festival Tokyo. So it's a three-day audiovisual live event that includes uh, screenings, live performances, panel discussion, and um, ranging, uh, having a range of local artists um, and international artists who will be streaming in from Belgium, Canada, France, Japan, and the UK. So for the curatorial premise, we, are, we borrowed the idea of deep feel, kind of like a small region in deep space where the Hubble telescope points at, and sometimes uh, reveals an unclear number of young galaxies. So combined with cinema, the ancient Greek word for movement, Deep Field Cinema looks uh, into the present and future conditions of image making and discovery, particularly in the current global situation where remote working, living and surviving, as well as conditions of uh, connecting digitally with other humans and entities across geopolitical spectrums. So for those who are familiar with our intermissions programs, we work with transnational networks to promote promote sustained dialogue and engagement with media practices. Um, so Deep Field Cinema also marks the first year of our anniversary with our interdisciplinary project space, Hot House, which was jointly founded with, by intermission with our creative agency, Currency Design. So we focus on developing critical and long form artists invited to share a spot on a table in a studio. Um, in Intermedia, where we challenge artists to unpack their practice through interdisciplinary screening formats and soon to be launched our mind space where we chat with established media artists about their influences and ecologies that shape their practice. So Deep Feel will also be an opportunity for audiences to revisit one year of Hot House at our studio. So concurrently on the, on the right, you'll see um, Intermission is also presenting Negantropic Fields, co-curated with uh, Research Framework and Territorial Agency Form Axioms presented at NGS as part of our proposals for Novel Ways of Being. So um, NF uh, is firstly a process-based online digital platform for curation and collective manipulation of um, digital content. So this platform is a prototype that tests archival possibilities in the context of emerging digital modes of artistic expressions and forms of being, and in response to urgent need for new practices uh, for non-forms non-physical forms of creation, meditation, exposure, and for navigation and manipulation of abstract materials. So within the platform, um, NF uh, developed as a pilot project that focuses on the work of five selected artists with responses and engagements from five international artists and curatorial teams. So it utilizes the platform's co collaborative spaces. At the same time, it expands at, the, at NGS, where five selected art concepts are reconstructed and presented as explorable or virtual environments, which you see um, below. 
At the physical location, various media and selection of artists and international respondents are displayed through projections at multi-level um, digital environment, explorable for audience via an avatar controlled uh, via motion capture. And the interactive virtual space is the apex of the experiment that tests uh, various modes of translations, the molding of artists' ideas and their casting into digital typologies. So on one hand, Deep Fuel focuses on peering into the unknown through local and transnational vibrations through space. Um, while Negentropic Fuels uh, rethinks and speculates the digital infrastructure and platforms um, to imagine new frontiers for media art. Thank you. Thank you, Yehan, and thank you, everyone, for um, taking us through your upcoming projects. I think, uh, first, I'd like to, again, thank Art & Market for inviting all of us to join in this discussion today. And um, I think I'll start off also by mentioning that the projects that all the uh, panelists have mentioned are all forthcoming. So work on the interfaces that they have described and the physical installations that they've described um, are all um, currently underway as well, so that they are being built and developed as, as we speak. And um, But that's it. I think uh, it's also to emphasize that that the practice of the curators and artists in the panel today extend beyond and prior to these SAW, saw meaning Singapore Week projects that you, you hear of today. And, and some of the earlier projects, um, the, the panelists were actually surfaced throughout the discussion as well. So the title, maybe I'll just kind of bring us back to the title of this presentation or this discussion, which is um, Between Physical and Virtual Spaces. And the idea of digital exhibition, I think maybe um, for, for most of us, covers very distinct forms. So some of it, you know, it's really about recreating a space or exhibition or gallery online and you allow users to explore works virtually uh, while some others here work off the possibilities of the internet itself. So um, and I think where we discuss this uh, in the context of the pandemic, uh, somehow the idea of digital also sometimes um, is often regarded as a replacement of the physical exhibition, which is rather interesting and also slightly unfortunate. And it because it invites direct comparison and sensation that one has been deprived of the real thing, right? And that's why you need like the digital realm to help you or to aid you. So um, I think maybe I'll also just kind of like think through uh, or share a little bit about my own thoughts towards uh, my experiences of these projects uh, which the panelists have all very kindly shared with me prior to this talk. So uh, when going through their projects, I think what really struck me was the variable quality of online digital uh, culture resulting in, in this wide range of structures and formats that have been adopted by the artists and curators here today. So uh, some of them have shared with me websites, there are also AR components, there are Google Drive files, there are game worlds, instant messaging platforms, etc. So some of them uh, are mashed together and some of them are, are used separately. So um, each of their projects actually take either one of these combinations or, or reside under the same category, def categorical definition of online art. And um, But what was interesting to me was that um, for each of their projects for Singapore Art Week, it seems to combine both the digital and physical component. So I think this is something that I would like to start off uh, in our discussion with each of the panelists as well. So um, I'm actually quite curious about this, this combination of both digital and digital and uh, about the, the idea, and maybe my first question would be more related to the presentation performance of the artwork, both like in person and online. So um, my question is mostly, uh, I'll just go with a brief question first and after that, maybe I'll direct that to some of the more specific uh, panelists here. So what I, I think my question is mostly what are your approaches to curating um, or making works that reside both digitally and in real world and is there a hierarchy in this encounter? Like I use the term hierarchy because uh, maybe I start with Tulika because uh, like she mentioned earlier, the uh, inner like the outer project, right? The AR was meant as an augmentation or like an, an enhancement of the real world. So I was thinking through that there's a hierarchy in this encounter and what kind of positions do you take about in your thinking about the role of the digital in, in transmitting or performing the work to your audiences. So maybe we can have Tulika share a bit more about this. That's an, uh, thanks, Celine. That's, that's an interesting question. I think that um, there is a hierarchy in the way that the audience will view the work in the sense that you're gonna you're gonna hear the sound first. You're gonna see the lights first, and you're gonna you're gonna feel the atmosphere and the, the space first. Um, and then after that, you're gonna whip out your phone and you're gonna you're gonna log on to your browser and then access the AR, right? So there's a hierarchy that way. But in the way that we've designed the experience, um, the intention is to blur the lines between the physical and the digital. So essentially, 
if we're flooding, if we're flooding the room um, with pink lights, what you're going to see on your phone is also going to be lit in the same way. So when you're taking a picture and let's say a plant appears on your phone, um, that, that boundary between the physical and the digital is kind of blurred. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you another example. So one of the interactions in Inner Like the Outer is a, is a forest simulator. Um, and the idea is that uh, when we go camping, for example, we want to set up tents, but we don't want ants. Or we want butterflies, but we don't want bees. So it's kind of a comment on uh, how we have become so picky and we like to control everything around us because we're so used to being able to control things. So in this forest simulator, you would be able to walk and choose your forest environment. There's an exotic forest. There's a butterfly garden. In the butterfly garden, you can select what color of the wings you want the butterfly to have. You can select the size of the butterfly. Um, and essentially, when when you're looking, it, it, it's like a fully immersive experience in a way. So there'll be markers all around. And every time your phone, your camera reads a marker, there will be a digital environment all around you. But at the same time, the physical environment would kind of complement and make you further believe that you're inside that digital environment. And then there's the sound element that helps that as well. It's really quite interesting, like the, the idea of control or helping to filter out like our idea of nature as well. So the experience of it. Um, maybe I think also I can ask Johan this question because um, Johan, I remember you mentioned about the uh, deep field cinema and the idea of, of using technologies like YouTube to, to distribute or to converge certain artworks or certain screenings that you are planning to do for deep field cinema. Maybe can you also uh, share with us a little bit more about how that also relates to the question of how you can get to maybe like what to legacy like control or manage, you know, the transmission of these um, information or artworks to your audiences as well? Thanks for the question. Um, I, I guess like because we, we are taking this very interdisciplinary and um, transnational approach, so there, there will be sort of like all sorts of um, um, artists uh, streaming in from different places. So the idea of deep feel as a form of discovery, of course, initially we, we hope that all the artists could come down physically to, to sort of uh, um, perform and, and be here. Um, but with uh, the current situation, the, the fact that there is this kind of like remote streaming in, I guess the whole idea um, is to, to make that whole process um, much more visible, that it's not just a seamless kind of like broadcast of um, different uh, kind of like video feeds, but to, to also uh, include the physical location where they are at um, with the screening. So um, this kind of also brings uh, to mine some of the early kind of like satellite broadcasts uh, by Namjoon Pipe, like Good Morning Mr. Well and things like that, where, you know, they, they kind of like hijack the airwaves to, to screen um, different types of uh, content performances. So the, the whole idea is to break away from um, just like a singular screen, but to include the, the sort of like spatial elements and the kind of like multiple uh, infrastructures that might reside in each of the so-called satellite um, locations and to allow the, the viewer to have um, that kind of both the physical experience of the space and also sort of like what is on the, the main screen. So a lot of kind of like cross-cutting of uh, cameras and um, to, to give this uh, kind of like more stitched together overall um, uh, sort of collage of um, the whole entire um, sense of collaboration. Yeah, I think I noticed this was also um, quite interestingly for the project, the web screening that you shared with me by Chong Li, uh, which, which, which you described in the Hot House website as like a migration of programming. So I was also just kind of curious, was that supposed to happen physically? And then it got migrated because I also, when I encountered the web screening, it was a very fascinating um, kind of encounter because it, it played with all these like pop-up ads right and that, that also kind of freaked me out a little because because of my own you know like aversion towards like pop-up ads so it's a, it was an interesting encounter but I also tried to imagine how it would have happened like physically as well which is you know it would have happened I mean I'm imagining it that because you you also um in the mission and I mean for Hot House you, what you had done was you also included some behind the scenes photos on your website as well along with the web screening launch link so I I tried to imagine for myself what it would have been like like in person but was that the intention 
So um, the the example that you're you're talking about is is a really interesting one because that was actually the the kind of like turning point um or or rather that's the period of time when circuit breaker um sort of like disrupted our we just started off at the start of twenty twenty the space hot house and we were already kind of like testing out um the the intermediate screenings with uh, various uh, gadgets um screens um projecting on the blinds and things like that. Um, but having to sort of like migrate that onto an online platform made us uh, reconsider the idea of like Windows browsers um, and and how temporality can be experienced through through an online interface. And the the fact is that we want to make that interface um, again not not seamless, not uh, sort of like a single screen, but multiple screens and potentially interrupting each other. So a lot of detail was uh, being put into like, um, for example, how the sounds might overlap or the size of it and also the usability um, in the space. So of course there are, there are many differences um, being physically in the location, listen to sounds that come from all 360, but we tried to sort of like be more playful with the screening format and, and test out. Um, so. Um, we still would like to have the physical uh, experience as we intended it to be, but this is kind of like uh, another offshoot that came out from it um, that, that takes its life uh, online. Thanks, Yehan. I think um, maybe I will also just ask, take this time to ask Kurti as well, because I think just nice you were talking about, you know, the, the physical experience being, I guess, the, the key experience uh, initially for Chongli's uh, web screening. So maybe, Kirti, I know that for your project is quite unique because uh, for Open House, Open House has, you know, been traditionally known to, to take people on to like these art walks as well. So um, maybe you can share a bit more about the, the, the hierarchy and also the idea of scale. Like I think something that, that, was that I'm interested in because say for example, I noticed that Days and Counting, which is the previous uh, project uh, that, that you've done and, and, and it's still ongoing. Um, it also kind of, what it does is that essentially it takes that form of the, uh, I would say not, not really born digital artworks, but really works by artists who, um, who are placed online by the Open House team. So maybe you can share more with that about us. Um, maybe I'll start with the question about hierarchy because it's true, O is best known for encounters with real space and the minute you take a real space away from us, we're a bit like, so what anchors us now? And I think what we found interestingly is that for days and counting, the, the space that anchored us was the online space that for the first time ever we could build from scratch. So if you go to an experience uh, that's under the days and counting banner, right, every single aspect of it has sort of been control, I guess, to borrow that word by us and create them for the first time. And so the art is very much sort of either newly commissioned or adapted to fit this particular space. But for Saul, for the house against the house, we have a house that people get to go visit in a way or a space that is dedicated to this particular experience. Um, the house is more metaphorical this time, even though we're called O. Um, so for the that I think in many ways, the kind of physical experience of it is something that was often developed first and then the kind of digital experience from what I understand, because I'm not actually part of the team working directly on it, um, sort of comes alongside. But um, with regards to the artworks and the newly commissioned pieces for that particular project, they are all meant to be viewed as part of the IRL event, so to speak. So they're not kind of like, um, to be there, to be present and to engage with them within the context of the debate and with the various stakeholders involved is the kind of experience that maybe in the hierarchy comes a little bit higher. And then when you go home and you go online, it's sort of a slight, very different experience. I think in some ways, it's interesting everyone was talking about seamlessness, but in a way to intercut seamlessness, whereas I think I would say, oh, arguably go for a very seamless experience. So for the house against the house, IRL is a seamless real life experience and online is a seamless online experience. And it's the same for days and counting. We tried really hard that from the moment you arrive at the website and go through it, you're kind of being taken on a journey, which is what we're really interested in and part of that. So I hope that addresses the many different parts of your question. But yeah, that's... Oh, I think the last bit was about scale, scale yes. right? Yeah. Um, scale is an interesting question. So obviously for Saw, we're kind of limited by the social distancing restrictions, whereas the online version of Saw would then allow us, in theory, to reach many more people or as many people as are interested in it. 
Um, so it's kind of this idea that the real life becomes an intimate experience, especially during the context of a pandemic and online is intimate because you're looking at it yourself from your house, presumably, unless you decide to, I don't know, like share it on your living room TV with your family, which I don't know that anybody is doing necessarily. Um, and it's intimate in a very different way, but much more public and shareable. And I think that um, for Days and Counting, the idea was also that maybe for the first time ever, we wouldn't be limited by, you know, our ticketing restrictions or our like spatial restrictions. Because in the past, right, I think O has always had to limit itself by the houses that opened up for us or the spaces or the neighborhood. So we were actually pretty decent at working out like how to do a tour for people to do scale work. So in some ways, we're kind of like adept at it, but we were hoping to scale up more. But I guess over here, something that comes, that becomes interesting is what is the first contact point, right? Having a website theoretically available to many different people is great, but sending that website to people and getting them to click on it is what affects how many people you end up reaching out. So it's both infinite possibility and very limited based on how you contact people and then the space that you create. So it's kind of a challenge. I would say the internet isn't necessarily um, the bringer of access and scale in the same way that people sometimes think it is. Yeah. Thank you, Kirti. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think that the architecture of the internet is something, I mean, personally, it's quite, it's still a bit like enigmatic to me. So I, I do, I do um, encounter it, but at the same time, I'm not, you know, fully, I don't fully understand some of the infrastructures that a lot of you have worked with or are working with at the moment. Um, but I think maybe that also kind of um, leads me to my next question, which is a little bit more specific because, you know, like Kirti, you were mentioning about the, the way that the infrastructure of the internet is, has also um, allowed for certain possibilities. But I'm actually more curious for, for someone like Nature, you know, because um, Nature, you shared about um, our Softest Hour and our Softest Hour's first project encounters. And, and when I was kind of reading up about that, um, I did realize that there were a lot of uh, very effect-based like effect terms that were used in your project, like intimacy, vulnerability. Uh, I might be using some of these. I'm not sure if I'm just imagining them up in my head. But, um, but I realized that these terms were used as, as a key way of describing the project um, and it made me really curious how you think that you know that could be have been represented online because you know these these terms um, you know they conjure up imaginations or, or, or connotations that you know you do need to you know have some sort of in-person yeah. encounter for that to happen so maybe can you just share more about that with us as well yeah I guess this kind of overlaps a bit with the previous hierarchy question you were asking everyone um, so basically when we first came out with the first project we realized that um, everybody was kind of going through their own um, struggles with isolation because you know we're all distanced from our loved ones can't really like embrace someone anymore um, so I guess it was kind of a project that we wanted people to have um, a place to center themselves so at least an emotional release um, so when it came to we asked ourselves that question you know is it, is it still considered intimate if you're not in the same location as someone if you're not if you don't have that physical closeness so I guess that's why we um, approached artists and we kind of told them, like, hey, we wanted to do a project where you approach um, the internet, the World Wide Web as a medium. Um, therefore, they came up with projects that require a lot of participation. So one of the projects for Encounters was uh, by Clarice Ng, where she would post a musical, um, what's that called, like an audio note and people get to respond with their own audio note. So it's, you're directly conversing with the artist. The audiences are very much in involved in the creation of how the project um, ends up being. So I guess to us that that was where intimacy came in. Um, yeah, as for the hierarchy, hierarchy question, we, we are hoping, we're, we're trying to figure out the answer ourselves because um, uh, it's something personal when, when it's on the phone and it's just between you or when you're actually in the space, which one is more immediate. So if for someone who goes um, to our website first for shifting between, to them, um, it might be more immediate, but maybe if they go down to the space, they feel like it's more intimate, then, you know, the answer changes. So I guess we're literally, you know, one of our taglines is that we're paying, playing on the seams, right? Because we keep saying like internet is seamless and all that stuff. Yeah, so we are also trying to figure that out. And essentially, we're hoping that we can figure it out together with the audience and with the artists, yeah, as curators ourselves. Thank you, Nature. Yeah, I... I I mean, I, I take your point about the, the, the use of tools, actually, um, that, that aid in communication. So, like you said, the audio note, which still retains, like, an element of, like, 
the hum humanity or like the humane element, you know, in, in your online communication. I think um, maybe that also kind of like nicely leads to my next question for everyone. Uh, it's more specific about the uh, the idea of your digital audience. So, so I mean, from how I understand it to be, you know, the internet is wide and then I'm, I'm thinking whether or not it's important in a network of viewers for the work to retain its context or relevance. Given like that, the online attention economy can just be this power to over all the different talks or events or, or programs and exceptions online. So um, maybe I can start off with Tolika again. Like that, that was really the bottom line of it. Um, so for the launch, which was on the 7th of August, it was already into phase two, I think, but uh, we still couldn't go out and experience music and art. You know, it was still very limited. So the idea was that um, it, was a, it was a specific time where the artist would be online and everyone would come uh, log on and the, the website was designed in such a way that it's participative in a, in, and it means that let's say I have an avatar and I'm facing another avatar, I can actually chat with them and they can chat back and reply. Um, so we can have conversations, we can kind of follow each other into worlds. There's some worlds where we can go to be alone. They were designed, some were designed to socialize and some were designed um, for personal reflection because in those worlds, uh, we kind of uh, programmed it such that if you were there, you couldn't see any other avatars, like it was only you and you alone exploring. But, um, because the internet is a medium, uh, cybersecurity is a huge issue. So uh, on the day that we launched, um, and Reza is actually an artist based in Berlin. He's Singapore-born, but based in Berlin. So a lot of his audience comes from Europe and uh, Berlin. So it was about 1 a.m. in Singapore. And uh, we the, the people that were logging on from Singapore, we had a nice time. Like we met our friends online. We were like, hey, is that you? Okay, cool, we're chatting. But around 1 a.m., uh, everything started to become a little bit glitchy and all the worlds started to blur into one. And then we realized that it was a DDoS attack, um, meaning that it was just some random bots that were, it was completely random and it could have happened to anyone, but it happened to us on opening night, which meant that when people were logging on from Europe, like you couldn't interact with each other and uh, it, every, every, everything just felt like it was a personal world, but it was also super glitchy. Um, so then we realized like, okay, you know, the internet is a canvas and it's, it's great because you can do so many things. You can defy gravity, you can defy geography, but cybersecurity is a huge thing. You've got to pay attention to things like UI, UX. Um, attention spans are also a huge thing. So like if people are coming to a physical space, they're taking a time to travel, maybe they'll spend like half an hour, an hour in a museum, in a gallery, but online, like you only have them for 10 minutes and then they have another window open as well. Um, so there's, there's a lot of factors and I think it's all a learning process because 2020, I think, was really just the beginning of that. Yeah. That's actually, that's also something that I wanted to talk about. I, it's great that you mentioned about cybersecurity and, and, and this, <laughs> the DDoS attack, which also is like, okay, that's a new term to me. But yeah, I do agree that there are all these um, possibilities that the internet affords, but it's also something to think about I think so I think maybe we can start focusing a little bit more on like a question about a bit that's a bit more technical perhaps that I, I think maybe I can direct this one to to Yue Han as well who I think has um, quite an extensive experience in, in creating uh, digital experiences um, together with intermission so um, I think Yue Han my question is mainly to do with um, how do you delineate the boundaries of the of the work uh, or the object okay I would I would say artwork for now that you've created together with intermission as well. So I think it's more specific to how do we, um, or where does the digital artwork or exhibition start and end? So when I, I say that, I mean, um, how do we read like the resource that's involved in it? So say for example, do we also um, include the coding for the website as part of the work or, um, or just the item that's being placed on that site? on the platform itself, or on the interface itself. So maybe you can share more about that. Like, how do you perceive it? And whoever else would like to jump in, please also just kind of share as well. Yeah. Thanks for the question. Um, yeah, so, I mean, actually at the onset of uh, the, the pandemic, we, we have been uh, 
thinking through these questions and that that was kind of like the inception of uh, the entropic fields um and the fact that you know there are so many kind of uh, different bits and pieces of media that's floating around and um each um artist kind of is is a archivist of sorts the the artists themselves are also archiving material so one of the examples is uh, about um andreas uh, so in Andreas work plasma, he he is kind of like um, looking into NASA um, Voyager two data, and then visualizing it as a as a kind of like a explosion. Um, so artists um kind of engage with all forms of data um, in a in a very different uh, way, and they find ways to kind of like navigate and represent them. So what we were thinking of is that um instead of kind of just uh um, allowing these uh, bits and pieces of data to just surface um, at the physical show, um, is it possible to kind of like have a archive of archives of sorts, um, which is basically this platform where you are able to see um, the bits and pieces of information that um, the artist created. Um, it could be bits and pieces of code um, that is created by themselves or it could be borrowed somewhere. Um, in order to allow for those kind of like interrelations to be uh, visualized. Um, so therefore we, we felt that um, dislodging or, or allowing us to actually see the process and the fragments um, was really important for this process. So, so that's why we have uh, this uh, website that we um, created called Info. Um, and that's where you can actually see access all the like Google Docs and um, all the images and video files. Um, to a certain extent, the, the design of the, the interface of the, um, the website is very much uh, influenced by collaboration tools. So like you have like Slack, you have like Discord and things like that. Um, and and we, we worked uh, extensively with uh, the Google Suite as well. So um, I guess there are some questions as well. Um, should we continue using these uh, platforms? Um, or should we create new platforms? So this is a kind of like speculative way of us um, creating a platform and also visualizing interconnections. So one of the aspects of the website is this thing called a plot. So we um, documented all the Zoom conversations and all the um, information that was shared with us by the artists and conversations. Um, and it's kind of uh, mapped out as a plot where you can navigate around. And this plot also appears as the kind of like sky of um, the virtual environment as well. So there's a constant reminder that um, the, the artwork actually, um, you know, it, it's almost impossible to see where, where that, that beginning of the work is. Um, and the, the future possibilities are, are also endless. So we are kind of like dislodging the fragments and allowing for the audience to come in to, to access this archive. So most of the time, the physical kind of uh, um, activation of the work, we call it uh, either activation or actualization. Um, it's not so much an endpoint, it's just a, a moment where the audience gets to experience this archive in a way. And I think this question kind of like opens up further um, uh, conversations about, you know, who's the custodian of, uh, data um, uh, uh, of artworks, um, the, the museum, and things like that. Thanks, Yohan. Yeah. Maybe I'll just get you to hold that thought because I have that. I have um, kept it as a last question, this idea of archiving, you know, like of documenting the, the work and the exhibition uh, online. Um, but maybe I'll just quickly return back to, uh, to nature. Maybe nature, can I just get you to share a little bit more about, um, back to my question that I had asked Tulika as well, or I had asked everyone about the idea of the audience or the network, because, you know, given that uh, a lot of the work that you've been doing is also, um, you know, it's quite specific to certain kinds of audiences that might be wanting to seek out company or to seek out, you know, like like-minded people. Um, how did, how does that work for your project? I guess, like, you know, they always say eyeballs, right? Like, <laughs> um, I guess we were quite worried um, at first with our first project because we were like, okay, a lot of the artists have works that require someone to participate in order to become 
and artwork. And um, well, you know, luckily everybody showed up, so we were very glad. Um, but actually, that's what that whole worry, that nugget, kind of lived with us. And this whole question on how important is is the audience? Like we think they're extremely important. I think we all agree that with that. Um, but for our projects, we kind of approach them a bit like a like one of the key components to the work because you know it's participatory so when we started conceptualizing shifting between um we envisioned ourselves as someone who was preparing to go see a show so i think Talika, just now you mentioned something about um uh having someone you're taking someone's time right to go to go to a show so we realized that that in itself is intimate because like you have to plan your week you have to plan what day you have to call your friends or go alone and it's a whole process right so i guess with with shifting between we we wanted to make people come down so we've created this art trail um it, each artist has a little art trail where we recommend where to stop by before seeing their works physically um we are hoping it'll work again nobody can guarantee how many people actually show up even to this panel we're at right now um but for us it is quite important due to the nature of a lot of works being participatory and, and interactive um so we have our fingers crossed and hopefully we'll learn from this time just like we did from encounters yeah Okay, thank you, Nature. Um, I think maybe what we'll do is, uh, because we are approaching the, the Q&A time, um, I have actually two questions, um, received two questions from our um, members of public. So maybe one of it is actually somehow like we've sort of answered it, but uh, maybe I can just direct it to, to, to Kurti for this. Um, it's, someone has asked, uh, Desnando has asked, are we supposed to consume or enjoy artworks uh, online uh, simultaneously both in a physical and digital way? So maybe you can answer specific to, to open houses intention as well. I think with O, it's quite distinct, the enjoyment of being in a place versus being online. And it's something that we take into account when we're creating these experiences. I think what sort of Nature and Tulika spoke about, this idea of you're creating a moment around the process of getting ready for a show, right? And I think the way you do it at home is very different from the way you do it in real life. So I think our experiences play to that. So if kind of for the house against the house, you going to this place, getting ready for a debate will require you to psych yourself up in a very different way, I think, and also kind of enjoy being in the actual physical presence, not just of artworks, but also each other. I think that's something that all really values is this idea that if you're in a place looking at an artwork with somebody else, there's going to be a kind of more layered conversation about it than you would ever have alone speaking to yourself because you get different perspectives, right? So that's what we really wanted to emphasize with anything that happens in real life is that moment of encountering not just art, but each other. Whereas the online version, I think you can do it quite independently. And ideally, we hope you're spending your entire time looking at that screen and that artwork. But who knows, you might be interrupted by other things. But it won't be the artwork because it doesn't exist around you. And I think we have yet to sort of, um, except for Tristan, I think in um, season one of Days and Counting, I don't think anyone had sort of like embedded elements where if you scan a QR code, suddenly you get like an AR monster around you, right? Uh, it's his safe entry kind of ghost. And so that would have brought the art, I guess, in real life with you to a certain extent that you would enjoy both physically and digitally. But I think in our case, that's up to the artist. So what's also interesting is that I think everyone else is sort of speaking in a very collaborative way. And I wanted to kind of mention that none of our works would exist without like web developers at this point, like coding people who can speak the internet language, which I cannot, are massively important to the collaborative process. And so it's interesting if you're an artist who can speak that language, then the way you use the internet space is very different from if you're an artist who has never used it before and are suddenly invited to go digital. So I think that's also why some artworks intrude upon real space as part of the art more than other ones. All this to say that I think O is very diverse. If you just want to be purely in real life, you can go to one experience. If you want to be purely online and stay at home, you can go to another. And some with some artists allow you to cross between. Yeah. Thanks, Kirti. Um, the other question that we have is also um, from, a, from one of the attendees. And um, the person has asked, in a world where physical activities are slowly resuming, how do you think the digital and physical space can continue to complement each other in generating meaningful content? Actually, I think that because I feel like for most panelists here, both have already existed for a while now. And it doesn't, you know, it's not 
it's not it's not like a, a backup plan kind of thing. So, um, but th does anyone have a response to? I can go. Um, think meaningful content, right? So I think if it's about communicating, then sure, you can find ways to complement it. If it's about education, then also you can find ways that it complements. But it could also be about productivity, for example, right? Um, so yes, I think they can continue to complement each other, but we just have to figure out what that meaning is and how we define it for ourselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I think I think what's also interesting is, is because it doesn't mean that just because the pandemic is over then everyone's like, oh, feel like, you know, we're done with the digital. We can now go back to physical. I think it's not so much that, but although it gives that sensation, but I think that, that the digital is also here to stay. So I think that's, that's something that um, I've been looking forward to all your projects as well. But um, I think I'm just going to want to end off with, with one of my last questions, which is to return to, to Yehan's um, point about, about how the artists have their different ways of engaging data and, and how negantropic fields uh, and, and info, which is the website version of the or website uh, component of the, of the project, uh, was somehow when he... When you heard when you were mentioning about it, it kind of reminded me about uh, the data called Envivo. And I found it interesting because um, you've decided to make it public this time around because via info it was so for example in the, in, in the case of a research paper for example when whatever data that sits on these kinds of softwares um, are private data and they will never get you know they're not considered part of the so-called work at the end of the day but I found it interesting that for for um, negantropic fields it, it actually presents both as as equal to each other or counterparts to each other so I that kind of reminded me about my own experiences with, with you know, the use of data and, and how much um, is being reviewed or how much is being shared with public as well. And what, you know, where do we read the boundaries of, of an artwork or where do we read the boundaries of a research work? I think that, that was something that I kind of drew similarities to, but okay, but back to my question. So just to end off with everyone, I, I wanted to get you all to think about the, the question of the afterlife of the digital. So why I ask this is because uh, I understand that, yes, while the internet is, is um, you know, everything can exist in perpetuity, um, there's also the idea of the internet's ephemerality in, in, in how such, um, art, and, and my question is mainly pertaining to how you think uh, artworks or exhibition histories can be documented and mapped, or maybe your own experiences of how, you know, like uh, for, for Kirti, for Open House, how you're already doing it, or for Tulika, Nature, and Yuehan yourselves, um, as artists and, and as curators as well, um, is there something that you've thought about and or what are some of the ways that you think this can be done? Um, just to respond very briefly um, to, to what you said earlier, I guess like there is this kind of like wrapping up of the, the artist, the curator. Um, and for, for us, we, we see it as almost like a tesseract so one of the, the, the sort of like symbols or of the various stages of the platform is seen through the Tesseract. So there's this kind of like ongoing formation and pulling in um, and expanding outwards. So that, that kind of also has certain resonances with the idea of deep fuel. Um, so the, the idea is that there's this endless uh, or ongoing conversation that is process-based of course, at some point in time, there's a certain kind of like iteration and form that is, it takes, but all these um, data um, and, and bits and pieces of the fragments are kind of like in perpetual mo motion. Um, and I think one of the things that is really interesting is that this time around, the role of the curator and the artist becomes extremely blurred because uh, Um, of, of the, the work, um, and and that that goes into this whole area of like how long should an audience spend in a virtual work? Um, how can you kind of like set parameters for for the interaction to to happen? Um, and for example, in one of the works, there there is like a trail. So in Bunny Hiker's work, you kind of like explore a cave, 
and there's an NPC who is walking around that you can follow that trail. Um, but you can also explore yourself. There are sort of like eight different rooms. And when you walk around, you leave behind a trail. So you know where you came from. So these are small little cues for, for the audiences to know um, where, where they are moving. Um, with regards to the afterlife, I guess that, that's really important um, to allow the viewers, the audiences, to be able to see that process. So for, for, for us, um, that's one of our key, um, to allow them to see what the local um, sort of like scene, the, the media ecology looks like and also how the transnational ecologies look like and whether we can give it a visual form, whether these things can be platforms. Um, and, and to a certain extent, this could be um, kind of like further um, scaffolded into a larger infrastructure so that there is visibility of the sort of like these media infrastructures more and more visible and allows for more ideas and generation of uh, creation of new works. So the, the audiences themselves um, at the end of the virtual experience actually throughout the, the experience they can collect these uh, digital objects. So these uh, objects will appear like at a, a particular time if they stay long enough um, and you can actually grab them and at the end of the, the show, you, you kind of like scan a QR code and you can collect all these digital objects. And I guess that, that is a kind of like continuity and, and something that's very different in the digital that, you know, um, you can't bring back like a sculpture in the gallery immediately, um, but you can sort of like have copies of these uh, objects, um, but what is the value of it and um, how can you manipulate it? So it's uh, encouraging them to also use uh, these components for their own, um, uh, to roll to them um, in whichever ways and find new possibilities. Thanks, Johan. I think that was a very comprehensive reply because you really thought about also the idea of uh, making these works available for all. So I think I came from a perspective of more of an institution because I'm thinking about, you know, how do we document art and exhibition histories? Um, but it was interesting to hear from you that perhaps it's not so much about, you know, how do we consolidate it all, but how do we also fragment it for or, or distribute it so that it becomes kept in different forms or mediated in different forms as well. Um, for the interest of time, maybe we can just get one more person to reply to this question about archiving, if any of you have already thought about it as well before we end off. Nature, Kurti, Tolika, anyone? <laughs> I guess, um, sorry, Tolika, do you want to go? Go, go, go ahead. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, actually, Kim and I were just talking about it a few days ago. Um, do you, because a lot of the works are participatory in nature and site-specific in nature. For the physical exhibitions, I guess, you know, from an institutional standpoint, we go according to the, the book, you know, of how to document those works because that's already been done. But right now, you know, as, as internationally as a group, we're, we're encountering this pandemic for the first time. So um, be it seasoned curators and new curators, I think we're all trying to figure it out. Um, and like Johan said, it's actually a very collaborative process now. Like um, the curators and the artists and even the web developers, all the lines are kind of blurred because we're all trying to figure out the same thing. Like what if this site, like is this gonna site gonna stay up forever? Does this mean that the work is always on exhibition? Like if it's online? Um, we're actually still trying to figure that out as well. But right now we're going according to the, you know, the media route, the um, the fact that we're having audiences experience it route and just um, basic archiving on another another site you know, or hosted somewhere else, but not the actual experience because you won't get to interact with the artists anymore. Yeah. Thank you, Nature. Sorry to Lika, like, yeah, I know you wanted to reply as well, but hopefully next time we'll have more time to discuss as well. But I think, um, I just want to thank everybody for your responses, very, very thoughtful responses. I think um, it was, I was really hoping that this discussion could go on a bit longer because I actually have a lot of like technical questions to ask, especially some of the artists here as well, because um, I feel that the, these are questions that, you know, have been already long discussed or thought of in, in maybe I would say like overseas, you know, like with artists overseas who have who have developed works and uh, in very complex ways as well. Um, to say we have not done that, but it's quite lacking. So I really it can, can perhaps continue on these conversations in the future through a different kind of series. But um, I really want to thank all of you 
and I, I wish you all the best for your Singapore Outweek projects. Um, everyone, please do visit these projects, you know, like both physically and digitally and look out for information on them uh, via the Singapore Outweek website as well. So uh, for now, I'll hand over to... Um, thank you everyone for tuning in and spending the last hour with us. Uh, before we conclude, I'd like to invite all of you to join us for the rest of Reset, which is organized in partnership with Singapore Art Week 2021. Do tune in next Thursday, 14 January, from 5 to 6 p.m. for our fourth talk titled Back to Basics, Material Practices in the Digital Age, featuring Alicia Neo, artist and co-founder of Breck. Mazuri Maslan, artist and co-founder of Tekat Collective, Jason Lim, artist and educator, and Zarina Muhammad, artist, educator, and researcher. The talk will be moderated by Melanie Pocock, curator of Icon Gallery. Please visit artandmarket.net slash reset for more information and to sign up. Thank you everyone and have a wonderful week ahead.